Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 370. I'm not going to keep you long today. I know the last two have been long. Some of you were thinking, man, I can't even listen to all that at one time. Well, I understand that. I'm just trying to keep the periods together. And the last couple of podcasts, we looked at the Greek period of Alexander and the language that became the language of the New Testament, the language of the apostles, the language of the preaching of the apostles who also knew Hebrew and would have preached that in the synagogues and would have spoken that in the temple area in the reading of the Torah. But in their traveling around the world, they would have had to have spoken more than Hebrew because Hebrew was a at that point a language that was not spoken by even all of the Jews. And so they would have known Koine Greek and God prepared the world through that. God prepared that intertestamental period as we call it with the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Hasmonean dynasty, getting together of the Greek city-states of the Decapolis, the division of the land of promise as it was in the days of the Roman Empire in dividing up the Roman province of Judea, of Samaria, then of the Galilee. That's the same divisions of modern-day Israel today. There's so much I would love to tell you about Israel, about what is called Palestine. There's no such thing as Palestine in the time of Jesus. There was no Palestine during the time of Jesus. That didn't come about until Hadrian after the uh, second great revolt of the Jews and during the early 130s from 130, 132, something like that, until 135 when you had Bar Kokhba, also called the Bar Kokhba Revolt. And after that, uh, Jerusalem was ridded of all Jews. They were barred from there. He changed the name of Jerusalem to alias uh, Capitolina. He named the whole area from Syria to Egypt. He called it Syrio-Palestinia. And he did that to spite the Jews because the Palestinia is the modern-day pronunciation of Philistinia. The Philistines were not Arabs. They were sea people. They were Minoans, more than likely, from the Greek Isles, maybe Cretans or someone of that origin. But they were people. The word Palustit means uh, people from beyond, that is beyond the Mediterranean, the sea there, the sea coast. So they were not Arabs. That has never been an Arab place called such. Palestine was named to spite the Jews by naming it after their arch enemies of the ancient world, the Philistines. But that didn't come about to a hundred years, a hundred years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so we need to get this right. If you have a Bible that says Palestine in the days of Jesus, talking about the maps in the back, then that tells you those people's thought processes and where they are. And many of the people that wrote those things, they have followed the history that God's finished with the Jews. It even comes out in the geography. It's called supersessionism or fulfillment theology, or I label them all replacement theologies. But I want to talk to you about what next. What after Christmas? 
Christmas, after the substitutionary death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what next? Well, just as God prepared the world for the first coming of Jesus, God is preparing the world for the second coming of Jesus. And the mysterion called the raptus, the rapture, the snatching away. Now, I know when I say that, many who listen to this, not a few, but many who listen to this will say, I don't know about that rapture thing. Well, that's okay. Let's talk. Because you might not believe it, but that doesn't change one thing. You see, the Bible teaches. You say, well, if that was the case, why didn't Jesus talk about it? It wasn't time. Don't you remember what the Apostle Paul said? Behold, I show you a mysterion. There's a lot of things that Jesus didn't cover that the apostles did. So does that mean that they're not valid either? Now, whatever time you think the rapture is going to be, I believe it's going to be before the days of the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation doesn't start all bad. It starts with the great deception of the Antichrist, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Now, I don't want to get into eschatology here to the extent of arguing over the rapture, but I do believe that the next great event on God's timetable was one that was hidden from the prophets in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament and was not revealed, but primarily through the Apostle Paul. After all, he was the apostle that was called the apostle to the Gentiles by himself. He said he was ordained to be a preacher and a teacher and apostle to the Gentiles, specifically he being a Jew. But what I'm telling you is, just as God prepared the world for the first coming, God is preparing the world for the second coming. If you look through the ancient prophecies in the Tanakh, you will see that most prophecies do not deal with the first coming of Jesus. No, they deal with what we would call the Messianic Age. They deal with the period we would call the Millennial Kingdom. Now, the reason it's called the Millennial Kingdom is because the Latin word, which Jerome in the 4th century translated the scriptures into Latin, and that was called the Vulgate, the common language of the people of that day. The Latin word in Revelation chapter 20 for a thousand years, which is repeated over and over and over again in the early verses of chapter 20, then that is the word mill. That means a thousand. So we talk about the thousand year reign of Christ that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 20. We apply that to the Messianic age as the millennial kingdom when Jesus will reign from Jerusalem. Now, often I'm asked, do you really believe that Jesus will reign from Jerusalem for a thousand years? Of course I do. That's what the Bible teaches, either that or it's just all a fairy tale. It's all just a big allegory from the first century onward. And I don't believe that. I don't believe in amillennialism that there's not going to be a millennium. Ah is the alpha privative put on the front of any word. Ah theos, atheist, means no God. Ganao, the word for knowledge, you put uh, alpha privative in front of that, an A, you get Agnao, and that means agnostic. I don't know. Uh, an atheist just says there is no God by choice. An agnostic says, I don't really know whether there is or not. There could be, there could not be. But anything you put an alpha privative on in Greek, then it will negate whatever the concept it's attached to. So amillennialists believe that there's not going to be a reign of Jesus on the earth. It's just going to be his closing time, boys. And to close the curtain, it's over. Jesus is coming, and that's it. It's We're in the 
eternal state. I don't believe that. I believe the Bible, if that's the case, then the Lord sure told us a whole lot of details, just like he did about salvation. We just don't like those details as they relate to our theological grid, so we allegorize those passages that relate to Israel. We allegorize the passages that don't fit into our theological grid and what we've been taught in seminary. Listen, if you just read the Bible, nobody messes with you and nobody teaches you anything. You just read the Bible, you're going to come away loving Israel and believe that God's not finished with Israel. If you just read the Bible when it is obviously historical narrative, and remember, biblical prophecy is nothing more than history written in advance. And uh, it is history, it just hadn't happened yet. But if God says it's going to happen, it's going to happen just as sure as history that's already happened. This is why I just am blown away by people who allegorize everything from the birth of Christ and the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, his ascension onward. Anything that has to do with Israel now is the church. Well, there's a word for church, and God didn't use it. He used the word Israel. When he means Israel, he means Israel. When he says church, he means church. There's a word, ecclesia, for church. It's the word for assembly. And it is uh, the great preponderance of the times that it's used has to do with the local assembly. So for those of you who are out there and say, you know, I love Jesus. I just don't love his church. Well, what you're saying is I don't love his wife. I don't love his bride. And I've said to many of you, you don't like my bride, then we're not going to have fellowship together because she's a part of who I am. You say, well, I love Tony, but I I don't want to hang around Karen. Well, then you're not going to hang around me. And I don't believe you can talk about Jesus' bride like many do and say, I don't want to have anything to do with the bride of Christ because the Lord commands us to do that. And it's not just this greatest assembly in the sky where you're a lone ranger Christian. That's just a Western concept that's absolutely ridiculous and unbiblical. And God is preparing the world through the prophetic words that he said, just like he did about the first coming, he is saying about the second coming. But what are we doing? The same thing that the Jews did of the first century. We are saying, well, that doesn't fit into my way of thinking, and so I'm not going to listen to that, even though it's clear in evidence. And so what are we doing? We're missing it today. We're missing it just like the Jews missed it of the first century and missed the great evidences that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus proved he was the Messiah by what he said and what he did. Now, you can explain it away. That's okay. It doesn't change a thing. Just like that you can try to explain away through uh, verbal gymnastics and linguistic gymnastics and by your own theological concepts, you can try to explain away the return of Jesus to the earth. You can try to explain away the tribulation. You can say, well, you know, the church has always been in tribulation. The great tribulation is not any time of tribulation. If the Bible is true and the words of Jesus are literal in historical narrative that hadn't happened yet, right now it's estimated over 9 billion, with a B, people are living on this planet. If indeed we take the word of God literally that he talks about in the book of Revelation where he's just telling what's going to happen, not allegorizing something, it's just a historical narrative that hadn't happened yet, then one-third of the entire population of the earth is going to be killed at one time. 
That's over 3 billion with present-day population, 3 billion people. Now, there's never been a time to even come close to that. So don't just say this ordinary tribulation. This is the wrath of God that's been stored up for thousands of years now being poured out upon all the earth. A third of the green grass is going to be destroyed. A third of the fresh water is going to be destroyed. A third of the amphibious life in the oceans are going to be destroyed. A third of the oceans are going to be polluted. I'm telling you, God means what he says. And so God is trying to prepare us. We're being conditioned right now. I'm satisfied worldwide in the United States of America. We're primarily leading the way with deception. We're being deceived by our government. We're being lied to to our government, just like we were about weapons of mass destruction. We're being lied to now. You know, they crucified George Bush because and Colin Powell because of that. Well, right now, a greater deception worldwide than weapons of mass destruction in Iraq is happening. Why? Because this is the narrative of the news media of our government, and people have taken it hook, line, and sinker. The mandates to be uh, vaccinated, this is absolutely unbelievable. There is no science to this that is consistent. We are being conditioned to believe what the government says. We're being conditioned toward a cashless society. You're going to have to have a, a personal identification number, a PIN number. One of these days, it's not going to be your Social Security number or whatever you choose. It's going to be what the government says, and it's going to somehow equate to 666. I don't have all the answers to that. But I believe that exactly what God says, it will be the number of the Antichrist, the number of the beast, and it's going to somehow compute to 666, and I don't know all the reasons and ramifications of that. But I can tell you it's going to happen. And we're being conditioned right now to receive that. We are now dividing up based upon vaccinated, unvaccinated, race, all of the divisive means. Why? Because brother's going to turn against brother. Sister's going to turn against sister. We're going to become, I'll tell on your society, a spy on your society. It's happening all around us. I could give you more and more ways that we're being conditioned, but I think you already know that. If you've got any sense at all, really, you, you do. If you don't realize that we're being played right now, I question your discernment, period. You see, I'm allowed to do that. I'm still free to do that. And you don't have to listen. That's okay. You can turn me off. But I'm telling you the truth. We're living in a day of conditioning for the time when the great deceiver is going to be raised up and he's going to be Satan himself. And the Bible says his powers of deception are so great that if the days were not shortened, the very elect of God, the very believers who have the spirit of God living in their lives and have the word of God in front of them would be deceived. This is how deceitful it's supernatural. And I believe that this plague is supernatural. I believe it was supernaturally released upon the world by a supernatural enemy that used a godless, atheistic, communistic country called China to unleash it on the world. It's just one of his imps. That's what China is. It's the handmaiden of the devil. And uh, I say that without any hesitation, reservation, or equivocation. I believe that the greatest enemies we have is China and Russia because they are those that are continually saying proudly that they are built upon an anti-Judeo-Christian base. Well, there's other countries that are being prepared as well because, see, Jesus is coming not related to the United States, but related to the whole world. Well, I told you I wouldn't keep you as long as I did yesterday. So, folks, I just want to tell you, I love you. And the words that I could say at the end of this podcast is this. Lift up your head. Your redemption is drawing near. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. 
Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.